Welcome back to Energetically You, where we talk about optimal wellness, abundant mindset, and confident decision-making. I'm your host, Megan Swan, a wellness coach and consultant and the founder of Megan Swan Wellness and the Sustainable Integrated Wellness Approach. I help high-performance humans thread more wellness into their existing lifestyle so that it becomes a way of life and not a check mark on their to-do list. I design custom, approachable wellness lifestyles because there is no one-size-fits-all wellness. I'm on a mission to empower more humans through optimal wellness. Today on the show, I have a fellow Megan. Her name is Megan Nolan, and she helps purpose-driven women get out of self-care overwhelm by creating a meaningful morning routine that leaves them feeling amazing and sets them up for massive success each day. One of my favorite topics, as you know. Megan is the creator of The Warrior's Journey, which is her unique combination of yoga, toning exercises, and mental fitness that gives you the tools you need for holistic health and happiness. So looking forward to diving into her wisdom on mental fitness tools. So let's get to it. (laughs) Welcome, Megan. I'm so excited for this conversation. We have a lot of crossover, but I think uh, there's a lot of nuggets that I'm very excited to get out of this conversation. So welcome. How are you first off? I'm great, Megan. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Great to be here. Where are you in the world? I am on the beautiful island of Maui, Hawaii. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about, have you always lived there or is that, uh, was there a journey story of how you got there? Well, I have a self-diagnosed snow allergy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And being from Ontario, Canada, Ottawa specifically, I needed to move because I was having an allergic reaction. Just kidding. I don't like being cold. So I progressively made my way more and more west. I tried Alberta. I tried British Columbia. And I love BC, but I couldn't do the gray of the, you know, ongoing rain cloud of Vancouver Island, which I, I loved it there. It's so beautiful. But I kept going more and more west until I found myself all the way out here in the middle of the ocean. And so I have been here for 11 years. I absolutely love it. It is a very magical place and I feel very blessed to be here. Mm, interesting. I don't, I don't know how I didn't pick up that you're Canadian before on our previous conversation. But anyway. Uh, that sounds amazing. I mean, I have also a bit of a similar journey, although I'm about to transition back to the snow. So <laughs> I'm mentally preparing my Mexican husband for, I mean, I don't think there's any preparing really, especially Calgarian winters, but <laughs> neither here nor there. I completely understand your, your stance on, on winter and being cold. Um, so yeah, tell us how, Tell us a little bit about your your yoga journey. I know that's near and dear to you. Absolutely. Well, I like to tell people that I came for the yoga booty and I stayed for the inner peace. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've always loved movement. I've always loved exercise. You know, I was one of those kids that was running with my yellow Walkman. Remember those, the yellow? Mm, I had one, yeah. Yeah, just running, <laughs> loved it, and loved dance and all those sorts of things. And so I decided to, you know, my journey into the work that I do started with gerontology, which is the study of aging. And after I graduated from university in, in Guelph, I decided, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> and <laughs> as you do yeah yeah as you do my parents were very adamant about secondary education so you know I kind of obliged and then I realized yeah I'm way too sensitive for this and so I decided to take a much more preventative approach to aging and decided to move to Hawaii and become a personal trainer and so that was sort of my beginning journey into the wellness industry and and when I was at school I one of my roommates took me to a yoga class and I had been to sort of a hybrid class at the gym because again I love to exercise and so I was trying out all the classes and so she came to that class with me and she said I don't know what this is but this is not yoga (laughs) I was like okay (laughs) heard um take me to a class and her mom was actually a yoga instructor so she took me to a class and and admittedly at first I, I was a little bit intrigued very challenged by it in more ways than one, as many people are when they first start to realize how actually quite challenging it is physically and mentally. And so I decided after a few years of being a personal trainer to complement that work with yoga instruction. So I became a yoga instructor about about 15 years ago-ish. I got to get the calculator to be accurate, but approximately around that time. I had already been practicing for 15 years at that time, or sorry, five years at that time. Hello. I'm in some sort of time warp. (laughs) Practicing for five years. And then I became, then I got certified. And so for me, it was a really beautiful compliment to exercise because there's a lot of stillness that comes. And that was to me, what was challenging at first, but then ultimately very beneficial. So placing your body in the posture and then working the more subtle aspects of the poses really challenges your mind. And as someone who's very busy brained, you know, my mind is like monkeys drinking Pepsi and eating sugar, you know, it's just, (laughs) (laughs) and so for me, it was a very powerful tool set to give myself not only physical space and ease in my body as a complement to the exercise that I was doing, but truly to cultivate that inner space. And so cultivating that awareness of self through the different tools of the yoga practice for me was such a powerful journey in a sense that it really gave me the opportunity to begin to witness myself. And so to me, and and ultimately, you know, yoga is a practice of self-awareness and ultimately self-acceptance and love. And so that was a huge part of the journey because I came to it, as I said earlier, because I I knew that it would help me get physically stronger and have more balance and, you know, be able to stand on one foot and do all sorts of crazy poses. But ultimately it's given me a tool set for self-appreciation and self-acceptance. So that's been so beautifully powerful. Mm, Yeah, that really resonates. How and when did you come around to being is so passionate about helping people with morning routines specifically. When I reached a point of complete and utter exhaustion and burnout myself, 
<laughs> I I hit that. Pepper. There it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And so I hit the proverbial wall, if you will. And, and at that time, my yoga practice was literally me just laying there on the yoga mat and crying because I had no other energy or drive or anything to give to myself. And I realized this is not sustainable, nor it is enjoyable, nor is it enjoyable. And it's definitely not what I'm advocating other people do. And so there was a whole inner conflict and dialogue about, you know, how can you even call yourself a personal trainer? You don't even exercise, you don't do yoga, blah, 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 all the squawking that happens internally. And so I made that decision to begin to what I believe is to check the most important box of all. And that's taking care of ourselves. And that is what I realized needed to happen first, because we can have really good intentions of, I'll do it later. Yeah. Let me just do these five other hundred things before I go do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll do that. No, it, it doesn't really ever happen. You can have beautiful intentions, but I believe that when you give yourself that window of time and that window window of time can be variable and is variable for each person. And depending on your energy, depending on, you know, if you have little people in your life or commitments of the day, it can literally just be a glimpse of time or you can stretch it out longer. But that intentional moment for yourself is sending a powerful message to the universe that you value yourself, that you value your health, that you value your time and giving yourself some well-deserved love and attention is so important because we can't give everything to everyone else and give nothing to ourselves. When we have that, you know, proverbial cup full, then we have more to give and we have more to give from a place of overflow and presence and patience and compassion and love and joy and all the things that you truly are. But if we get tapped out, then we can get really drained fast. And so realizing that for me, that was the way to start the day became very, very powerful as far as how I was showing up and how I was feeling. So I started to really lean into that for other people because when you have a lot of passion for what you do, it can be really easy to just grab your phone and go to TikTok and Instagram and what's happening here, bah, 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 you know, and get into that like frantic frazzled state rather quickly. Whereas when you have that intentional moment of time for your meaningful morning routine, it truly does set the tone and the intention for the entire day. Mm. Yeah, I found it to be extremely powerful and arguably life-changing. Um, so before we, I want to pick your brain about mental fitness techniques and tools, but can you take us back a little bit to the moment and, and it's probably multiple moments, but were you more physically burnt out from serving other people first or what was going on that, like, can you pinpoint the place where you fell out of alignment with your passion It was, I'd say, burnout on all fronts of being so completely exhausted that I was running on well past empty, mostly on caffeine and sugar, to the point where I was barely sleeping, even though I was exhausted. So I'd wake up already in that sort of panicky, frantic state. And then having, you know, I think there's a bunch of factors being very intense purpose-driven and wanting to serve and being an oldest child and who knows all the factors, but I've always been a yes person. Oh yeah, mm. sure. I can do that. Yeah. I'll do that too. No problem. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Why not? You know, and then getting to the point where I was saying yes to so many things internally, I was getting resentful. 
for not only towards myself. Why did I say that? I, like, I really don't have time, you know, like the whole game or, and also to, you know, people that I had said yes to, how can they ask this of me? And da, 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 you know, and so there was no boundaries. There was absolutely no boundaries. And that's, that's my own doing. And so emotionally, I literally felt as though at any given second, I was walking the line between somebody saying the wrong thing and somebody saying the exact right thing. And I would either go down the road of complete meltdown into a puddle of tears and literally losing it or going the opposite way and like having a blowout and like losing it and just, ah! and so it was a fine line because I was so tapped out. And so I would say it was literally on every level. And it was, I think more so than one moment, but it was cumulative, you know, of weeks and months of that, <laughs> maybe even years, who knows, but at least months and really getting to that point of complete and utter exhaustion of, I, I can't do this. And I don't know if I have it in me anymore. And I don't know if I need to give up and go get a job because like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this, <laughs> which we maybe have all have had that thought at some point, but I literally was just like, you know, flat out at that point. Mm. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit how you work with people to help them develop their own morning routine? Is it kind of like a menu or how do you present it? It is more of a menu because I believe that we want to have options based on the time that you have available, based on your energy, based on your needs, based on your own schedule for that day. So what I like to help people do is to create a few different options so that, you know, when they have that 10 minute window, here's what you do. When you have 30 minutes, here you go. If you have an hour, this is where it's all lined up for you because as women, you know, and as men as well, and as all humans, we have varying energy levels and based on how we sleep and all of that. So having the tools to customize it, but for me, it's really always built around three key elements. And the first is expanding your vision. And so that is where we begin with the end in mind of tapping into what your goals are for yourself and how you can show up in order to achieve them. And so really leaning into that and living into that now by cultivating that connection. So whether that's for you is meditation or visualization or gratitude or affirmations. So it really is helping people select what aligns to their spirit and what feels good to them, because I don't think there's anyone hard and fast. This is the ultimate morning routine. Absolutely not. I don't think that fits mm -hmm. for anything. And so giving people options, so that that's the first element, expanding your vision. And who is that you that has already crossed the finish line? How can you begin to embody that version of yourself now? And the second element is where we bring in your body because you have one. And sometimes when we're so up here and we're so in the go, 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 we forget that you have a body that requires love and attention, right? We all, you know, like you, you plug in your phone periodically and you take your car to the mechanic and you do all those things. And so how can we begin to make a ritual and a routine around that? And then again, that can be with yoga, it can be with exercise, dancing, whatever lights you up in a way that allows you to tap into and experience the energy of that fullest version, the most vibrant, aligned, radiant version of yourself today. So that's the second element is to experience that now. Because when you walk into a room, when you go live on Facebook, or you go, you know, you hit join meeting or whatever it is, the energy that you exude impacts everything that you do. So when you are intentional about connecting to that expanded and vibrant energy within yourself in your morning, then that ripples into everything that you do. 
in so many beautiful ways. So carrying yourself in that strong posture, that's very powerful. And then finally, when you're in that embodied place, when you're in that empowered place, then we decide what are three little action steps that you can take today. And you can begin to exhale it into your life and literally bring it to life with your intention and with your aligned action. So it's a powerful tool set that you can take in a variety of different ways, depending on what your body needs. But I, I believe that those are three core elements for a meaningful morning routine to help people to create one for themselves. Beautiful. Totally agree with everything you just said. Uh, can you talk a little bit about mental fitness and how you define that and maybe give us some examples of, of tools that you recommend? Absolutely. So we, we're all very familiar with physical fitness, right? So the exercise, the gym, the whatever, you know, the bicep curls and all the squats and all the things. And so we have physical muscles that we are very intentional about keeping strong, but there's also mental mus muscles. So you have a resiliency and a determination within you that comes from your mind. And the beautiful thing about your mind is that you can strengthen it just like you strengthen any other muscle that's in your body. But until we learn, A, that you have mental muscles that you can strengthen, and B, how to do it, then what tends to happen is that your mind, because it's hardwired to do so, is very, very adamantly focused on your survival and keeping you in a zone of familiarity and therefore safety. So we often hear this as self-sabotage and the ways that we keep ourselves in that comfort zone of, you know, procrastination or, oh, let me just go tweak that thought one more time. And maybe I should go change that, where that, blah, 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 blah. and the perfectionism and all these different mechanisms of self-sabotage that are mechanisms of the mind of self-protection, which thank you very much, brain. Like, let's all have a moment of gratitude for your mind and for your brain for getting you this far, because hello, we are grateful for that. But the reality is, is that only about 20% of people will rise to their full potential because only about 20% of people will actually learn how to make their mind a powerful tool. Otherwise, your mind will be running on autopilot using the subconscious programmings that were implemented when you were just a wee little tot. And if we haven't upgraded your operating system, i.e. learn to control your mind and begin to think on purpose, then we're running at a very low and slow level of your operating system. You're brilliant, absolutely. But just think about it with your phone, you update that frequently. But how often are you updating that inner system in your mind so that you can really begin to think in alignment with your vision, right? If you think about that first element of the morning routine. So in order to begin to learn to take control of your mind and begin to think on purpose and have you run your mind, rather than your mind run to you, it's a very powerful shift. And it's actually quite easy because there's only three muscles, just like there's lots of muscles in your body that can be overwhelming to keep your whole body strong. But in your mind, there's only three. And the first one is to learn how to intercept the saboteur. So the saboteur is your main mechanism of self-sabotage. I call it the head of your shitty committee. <laughs> so in your mind, we all have these characters, right? The one that's a little bit inner critic-y, maybe a little judgy, maybe the one that tells you you got to work harder to be worth anything. And oh, you didn't get to your goal. You better try harder next time. Come on now, cracking the whip and whatever it is. So we begin to recognize that collection of characters because we all have a few, right? And so when we can begin to recognize who that 
is that's kind of right now is running the show, we can learn to witness them and intercept them and just press pause because otherwise they will take us into that spiral of avoidance or perfectionism or what have you, but typically resulting in a negative emotional state of you got to do better next time or causing some sort of stress in your body and in your life that will cause you to kind of freeze up where you are. So first mental muscle is to witness that and begin to intercept, right? Because that chatter that's happening, they mostly just talk a lot of shit. They kind of make you feel like crap and they don't really do much. (laughs) So we want to learn to recognize that one. Number two is learning to practice self-command. So that means really literally taking control of your mind and focusing it. I kind of equate it to when you're training a puppy. So when you train a puppy, you, you ask it to sit, right? You tell it to sit and then you walk back a little bit, you know, and then you're like getting ready to train it to come and it starts to follow you. So what we're doing here with the mind is we're giving it something to do and we keep checking on it. <laughs> it's just like a puppy. If you give it a new toy and then you walk to the other room and you come back by that time, it's eaten the toy and it's chewing on the wall, you know? So it's just like that. It's just like that. We want to learn to keep our mind focused on something. So using a tool of some sort of physical sensation. So this is something really powerful that we can do right now together. So what I want you to do, and all of your listeners can do this too, is you just take your first finger and you bring it to your thumb and really slowly, so slowly that you can start to feel the ridges of your fingertips. And if it's safe for you to do so, go ahead and close your eyes because that shuts down your visual sense and it brings more awareness into your hand. And make sure to breathe. Sometimes people have more sensation on other fingers. So move your thumb and try a different finger. Focus on the fingertips. Try one more finger. And then let's bring all of your fingertips together. Only if it's safe for you to do so, bring all of your fingertips together and just like lightly rub the palm. And you'll probably get a lot more sensation as you rub your hand up and down and just feel the texture of your hands. And then keep your eyes closed. If it's safe for you to do so, let your arms come down and take a big deep breath. And then Notice your inner state right now. Go ahead and open your eyes when you're ready. But what we're learning how to do there is to take command of your mind. And because it is the nature of our mind to think, it's normal for your mind to wander about 50% of the time. Approximately 80% of people that start meditating stop because the mind is so busy and it can deter us. And this is the saboteurs kind of having their way, keeping you in the zone of comfort and familiarity. So when you learn to recognize the saboteur and then begin to take control of your mind using a really simple tool like that by rubbing your fingertips together, and you can do that super discreetly. Like you can be doing that, listening to somebody talk and what you're doing there is you are regulating your nervous system because you are beginning to slow everything down. Your breath slows down. You begin to become very present. You're focusing your mind on something else beyond the blah, 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 blah chatter that was happening before. And when we calm and quiet your nervous system like that, we're shifting out of the more stressed active part of the brain called the amygdala. And we are shifting into your place of center and presence, which is a state of calm. And when you're in a state of calm, you shift into a higher functioning area of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, which is where your imagination, your insights, your creativity, your focus, your clarity, your memory, all the magic that is you is accessible in that part of your brain. Because when you're under stress, 
your brain is not focusing on creating the next masterpiece or finishing the best-selling novel. It's focusing on, we need to get out of here and we need to get out of here fast. And it doesn't even know what it's running away from, but it's running away from something, right? And so when you take command of the mind using a powerful tool, just like that, or with the breath or with sort of movement or having a shower, whatever it is to command the mind, it allows you to access your higher mind, which is the true wisdom within you, which is that part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, often known as the higher self or the sage or the purposeful powerhouse version of you that has the answers that will act and move from a place of confidence and clarity. So that is the mental fitness framework that's literally hands down, probably changed my life and becomes a tool set that you can integrate into everything that you do. Mm. Love it. I'm curious, what's your take on this common, I don't know, social media (laughs) argument that those who say they don't need to meditate or they can't, quote unquote, are the ones that really need to the most? Or in other words, do you believe that meditation is for everyone? That's a great point. Yes, I I believe that there's many ways to achieve a state of calm. And ultimately, that's the goal of meditation is to be able to train your mind to focus. And as, as such, in doing so, to experience that sense of calm. And so it doesn't have to be a traditional form of meditation for it to be effective. And I believe that a lot of people, as I said earlier, 80% of people that try typically quit because of the noisy chatter of the mind and because the saboteurs are recognizing that, oh, we're about to do something very expensive here. She's going to connect to her higher <laughs> self. We better hold her still and tell her, you know, she can't do this. And it derails your progress. And we stop because we get frustrated. And maybe the thing is, and I know this was the, tw- this is what happened with me is that Sometimes you just haven't found the tool that works for you yet, because Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be, you know, what we see in social media imaging as far as what meditation, quote unquote, looks like, you know, you can meditating is just calming and quieting the mind and experiencing that stillness. So I was having a rough go with it. And and. I tried, and I would get so frustrated. I'm like, literally, this is impossible. But the thing is, is that it's not that you're not going to think, it's just noticing that you're thinking and coming back to whatever it is you're using to quiet the mind, like the puppy, right? Oh, it's chewing on the wall again. Okay, come back here, sit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sit. And then eventually, you know, it gets so relaxed, it falls asleep. And like, there's a whole <laughs> course of issues, right? That happens when you try to meditate. And so I avoided it for a long time. And I thought, okay, well, this is, you know, again, I was having this like inner conflict around, you know, th- Yoga, the goal of yoga is to be able to experience that stillness, ultimately to learn how to meditate. And I wasn't doing it. And I felt so out of alignment, totally out of integrity until my grandmother developed Alzheimer's. And I got really scared and I got totally freaked out. And and then, of course, me being me, started doing all sorts of research around brain health and preventative measures and da, 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 da. And one of the things that has stood out significantly and has done, there's a significant body of research around done largely by the Alzheimer's Foundation is around the effect of meditation on brain health and memory. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, now's the time. We better get after it. We're going to start doing this. You know, the great combination of cardio and, and calm and all the things. And so I went to my teacher and I said, you know, I, I just, I don't think I can meditate. I just don't think I can do it. And she said, well, maybe you haven't found your stick. Mm -hmm. And I thought, 
It's like classic yoga teacher. <laughs> you haven't found it and profound all at the same time. Yeah. Right. I know. And I'm like, no, clearly, I don't even know what you mean. <laughs> no stick has been found. Like this perfect analogy with the puppy situation. Right. And she said, okay, but here it is, Megan. Let me tell you, let me tell you what, the, what I'm talking about. In India, they use a lot of elephants for travel and elephants are super smart animals right and think about it when you see an elephant you often see an elephant holding the tail of the elephant in front of it or you see it holding a stick in its trunk right like you see that image quite a bit mm -hmm. and so she said you know they're they're very smart they're very intelligent but they use their trunk to pick things up and they're curious so in order for them to get where they need to go their handlers usually give them a task and something to hold on to. And that might be the elephant's tail in front of it. And oftentimes, if we don't have an elephant in front, they give it a stick because otherwise they're all sorts all over the place. So maybe you just haven't found your stick. Maybe you haven't found something that you can hold on to in your mind enough to keep you steady and focused. And so I thought, okay. That's a beautiful analogy and our minds are very curious, right? And so there's a lot of different tools. Sometimes it can be simple like this. Sometimes if you are of the busy brain variety, which many of your listeners may or may not be, you may find that you actually need to do multiple things at once in order to experience stillness. So for example, there's a really powerful meditation, and this is the one that's researched by the Alzheimer's Foundation. So you can do it again with your fingers. So there's a finger movement. So we start with our thumbs against our first finger. So that's the first position. And then we go to the middle finger. And that's the second position. Third position is the ring finger. And then the fourth position is the pinky. Okay, so you're going to move your thumb. So let's do it together. We'll start at the first one. So start with your pointer finger. One. Second position. Middle fingers. Two ring fingers, three, and then four. Now what we're gonna say together are the words sa, sa ta, ta, na, na, ma, ma. So when you say the words, you move your thumbs to the next finger. So you're repeating this sa, S-A-T-A-N-A-M-A as you go through the movements. Let's try it together, ready? Sa, ta, na, Ma. Again. Sa, ta, na, ma. Okay, so you're getting really good at it. Now we're going to say it mentally. And as you repeat it mentally, throughout one duration of it, you're going to breathe in. And then the next time you say it all the way through, you're going to breathe out. So it'll be like this. Let's try again. So ready? We're going to say it internally. And we breathe in. Sa, ta, na. Say it again. Breathe out for the whole time. Breathe in, say it again. Breathe out. One more time. Remember, like a puppy, you got to keep trying. So the whole sequence with that is the combination of the finger dexterity as well as the mental repetition of the mantra. So the mantra itself, Satnam, means you are truth. You are fully capable of anything you put your mind to. You are connected to the divine and all that is. And maybe the divine is God or the universe or whatever that is for you. But that's the truth of your essence. So when you're repeating that to yourself, you're repeating this mantra that's 
you know, thousands of years old, but you're giving your mind the tool. That's what mantra means. You're giving the mind a tool to focus on while you're using the finger dexterity. So the research shows us that the combination of the repetition and the finger movement is enough to keep your mind very busy. And when you notice that you're off thinking about to-do lists and laundry baskets, then you just kind of bring it back in, keep going <laughs> so that you're, there is an act of doing because sometimes when you are very busy in your mind and in your life, simply sitting down to breathe can feel like the hardest task in the world. And so when you are in the action of doing something soothing like that for your nervous system, it allows you to experience the calm of meditation without the, a little less of the frustration. <laughs> Should there be any. <laughs> in case you haven't found your stick. Yes. In case you haven't found your stick. <laughs> Uh, I love all those beautiful reminders and the connection with the the research that you were, because I mean, I think that's why people judge themselves so heavily on this, because it's just undeniable how powerful it is as a tool. Um, and I can say that, you know, my practice of meditation has definitely ebbed and flowed over over the years, sometimes I lean a little bit more on guided meditation. Other times it's just me. And um, I think it's important to have zero judgment about switching things up as time goes on. You know? I agree. Yeah, because sometimes it is nice to be guided and other times you feel like you could drop in. And that's it is that I think the most important thing is to have a curiosity about it and be willing to explore. And remember that, you know, the saboteurs are basically the, the bouncers of the boundary of your comfort zone. And anytime you're about to stretch yourself into some sort of mind and heart and soul and spirit expanding action, it will just kind of, you know, and like throw out all the stops. And so when you are in that place of playfulness with it, right? And let me try this one. Maybe just because that style of meditation didn't work for you doesn't mean none of them will. You know, it's like that first time you learn how to drive, you know, and you didn't get it on the first go. And it's really just that that being willing to take a different route and, and you know, allow yourself the opportunity to get tripped up sometimes. And that's the part of it that is actually quite powerful. And that's the actual the mechanism of the strengthening of your neurons that allows that part of your brain, the hippocampus to stay vital and stay fully vibrant is that challenge is when we have to catch the mind and keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. That's the essence of how you get stronger. That's called effortful learning, meaning that it's a little bit challenging for you to learn how to do it, right? If you did it on the first go, it wouldn't necessarily give you that host of benefits that it does give us. And I think if it's something that is directly impactful for the overall function and the health of your brain, it's definitely worth trying, <laughs> especially considering it reduces anxiety and improves your sleep and hormonal balance and all that makes you a nicer person. Like all the reasons, all the reasons I think it's worth yeah, it. It kind of is an endless list, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so tell us how can people work with you or connect with you? What's the best way to reach out? 
Well, I have a little gift for everybody. You can head over to minimorningroutine.com and grab the mini morning routine. So that would be a great place to connect if you want to explore creating your own meaningful morning routine. And then that way we can get connected. And then if we connect that way, I actually have a really awesome saboteur self-assessment. So you can learn who the captain of your committee is if you're curious about mental fitness. And then if you're over on the Instagrams, we can hang out over there. I've got lots of fun tips and tools and ways for you to integrate these tools into your busy life. And so I am Megan Nolan. So that's the handle over there is I am Megan Nolan. So I'd love to connect and hear your takeaways from the episode. And, you know, if you gave it a go with that movement of the meditation or the breath work, I'd love to hear how it was for you and to be able to support you on your wellness journey, however I can. Mm, amazing. Any last little bits of wisdom you want to leave us with? I would say one thing to remember is that you are far more powerful than you give yourself credit for. And that it's very important for you to remember that because that true power comes from your ability to pause. And cultivating pause and space in your life, whether that's through some of the tools we share today, some of the tools that Megan shares, whatever it is that that lights you up is ultimately so incredibly valuable and so nourishing on a full systemic level, on every level of your being, that it is definitely worthy and valuable for you to continue to integrate that into your life. Because the more you can practice the pause to nourish yourself, the more you'll be able to show up from that place of presence and alignment and true vibrancy. So that's just my little love note to finish up with. It's <laughs> a good one. I like it. Thank well, you. thank you so much. It's been a pleasure getting to know you better. And thank you for sharing all of your link you know in-depth wisdom I, I i feel like you're a a well of wisdom on on the different levels of both science and spirit so thank you thank you that makes my heart so happy <laughs> <laughs> thank you i appreciate that and it was lovely to be here with you and connect with your beautiful community as well thank you so much amazing thanks megan